Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and their names are James and John. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, that is Peter, James, and John, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch, two important words, folks, with me. Verse 39, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40, then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch, two important words, folks, with me one hour? Watch and pray. Peter, on behalf of James and John, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away, verse 42, and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, verse 43, verse 44. So he left them and went away and prayed, what? The third time. The third time. He was tempted three times by Satan in Matthew chapter 4. And here in 26 of Matthew, the third time he prays, saying the same words. Now, I thought that we weren't supposed to use repetitive prayers. Well, not in this sense. He's praying the same thing. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. See, my betrayer is at hand. Now, I want to suggest to you that the Lord Jesus overcame that temptation. So what is the temptation in the Garden of Gethsemane? The Garden of Gethsemane's temptation rests in this. He was tempted to quit. You're saying, well, did he know that the Father had a plan? Of course he knew the Father's plan. That's why he came. Of course he knew. His hour was not come. Over and over again, he proclaimed that in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 12, finally you hear these words, Mine hour is come. In the Gospel of Luke, we find these words, He set his face steadfastly to go up to Jerusalem. Why? Because he had an appointment to keep. And that appointment was to die for your stinking sins and mine as well. Yes, he knew that he was going to be the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world. And his hour had now come. And the pressure was more than his, get this please, his human capacity could take. And he had kept it in and kept it in and kept it in for three plus years, although knowing since he was a child that he was about his father's business. And now all the emotions were released in a place called the Garden of Gethsemane 
Well, what does Gethsemane mean? Gethsemane means oil press. That's what the word means, oil press. As a matter of fact, in this garden, there is an oil press. This garden was probably owned by a particular person. Apparently, Jesus had permission to enter and exit each time he was in Jerusalem. One of his favorite places, he would go and pray. And here he is at this oil press praying. Now, I found it very, very interesting, and I'm going to pause just for a moment, and I hope that you'll see the parallel. When we were in Nazareth, we went to a, we went to a, a place that was an exact replication as best as they have studied down through the years of what life was like when Jesus grew up right there in Nazareth. And as we were walking through and seeing the different sites, we saw, for instance, one place was a wine press where they would place the grapes. And this was, they excavated an actual wine press in Nazareth. And you, you saw where they placed the grapes and it had the ridge around the side and then they carved out a little space where the juice would flow down. They would catch the juice from the grapes and they would trample the grapes with their feet. I hope they were washed, but they would. As a matter of fact, there weren't that many wine presses in Nazareth. And so what they would do as a boy growing up, whenever we slaughtered a pig, we would invite the community over and they'd all help and some of them would take some of the pork with them. And the next week, somebody else would slaughter a pig. Well, in the very same way in Nazareth, there weren't that many wine presses, and so the community would kind of gather together. And Nazareth is not a big place. It's just a seemingly insignificant little village. That's why Nathaniel said, what? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth is nothing. And it is. It's off the, it's off the beaten path. It's a little insignificant place but the one who literally changed the world came from that place. His name is Jesus. But it's, it's probably understood that right at that wine press, because the community would come whenever everybody would bring their grapes and use that wine press, in all likelihood Jesus was standing right there as a boy in Nazareth and helping his daddy crush those grapes. But there was also there in that place an oil press. Now, this is what's really significant. It ties into this oil press in Gethsemane because there was also an oil press in this garden of Gethsemane. And the oil press was very, very interesting. The grapes, the olives, excuse me, the olives would grow on the olive tree. They would gather. They would beat them with sticks. They would beat the tree. And the, and the olives would fall. They would gather the olives, and they would place them in this round container that had a huge millstone inside of it, had a stick on the side or uh, a bar, a wooden bar on the side, and have a mule tied to it, and that donkey would go round and round and round, pulling that millstone, and it would crush the grapes. It would bruise, like, pardon me, the olives. I'm thinking olives and grapes. It would crush the olives. And as they went round and round and round and crushed the olives, first of all, the olives were beaten. They bit off the tree. They were put in this container. They were crushed. And what, what was left was a paste. It was olive paste. And there would be some oil that would already come out, but most of it would be just paste. And you know what the color of the paste was? It wasn't green. You think it would be. Believe it or not, it was red. It was red. And so they would take this paste and move it right down, and we saw this, they would take it down here, and here was this long, huge wooden beam resting on a fulcrum here, a pivot, 
And on this side, there was three different weights, limestone weights. And they would put this paste in these burlap crushable sacks. They would be, they would just, you'd lift them up, they'd put the, they would put the paste in there, they would take it and set it down here, and then they would press it three times. Get this. Three times. The first press, they wouldn't use a weight. It would just come down the beam with the weight of the beam would come down on it, and there would be fresh, the first and the best olive oil. What do you suppose they use the first and best olive oil for? Who'd that go to? That went to the Lord. They would gather that. No one would touch it. They'd ship it up to Jerusalem to be used in the temple to keep the Manoah lights lit and for use for medicinal purposes, all for the Lord's work. They didn't touch the first and the best. It was God's. They dare not touch it. The second time, they would press it again. This time, they put a weight on it, and it got heavier. And they would, they would put the beam, they would, they, would put it, they would put it here and put the weight, and the weight would pull it down and press the olive paste even more, and olive oil would come out. This olive oil they would use for their own homes. They would use for, for medicinal purposes, but also for cooking. And then finally, they would press it a third time, the same burlap sack with with crushed olives and they would put the extra weight on it and this time the pressure of that extra weight would come down so hard it would squeeze out the remaining bit of oil from the olive paste. And that's what they would use for lighting their lamps and, and for uh, anointing and so forth just for uh, mundane things. Three presses. Three times. I find it really interesting, and I've read this nowhere, and God forgive me if there is no connection, but I just thought it was very, very interesting as I sat in the Garden of Gethsemane, having just left Nazareth, and thinking and pondering, wow, here's our Savior, and reading this passage, here is our Savior, and he is under, and he, he, he's, he's already getting, he, he's, in his mind, he is preparing himself for the beating, <laughs> Right? He knows it's coming in a matter of hours. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 and verse 5, He was wounded or pierced for our transgression. He was bruised, or the word crushed, for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him by his stripes. We are healed. And so here's a picturesque understanding of what our Savior was facing as he went to that garden, to that oil press. Now, I don't want to fabricate anything, but there was an oil press in this garden. Could he have seen the operation and the remnants of what that was like? And so here he is facing now the greatest trial and temptation in his life. And so what did he do? Well, real briefly, what does God want us to do when we're tempted? Well, when we're tempted, God wants us to seek him. Number one, when tempted, God wants us to seek him in prayer. To seek him in prayer. Now, earlier he'd used the word of God. 
But now he's using prayer. So I would suggest that we use both the word of God and prayer as we seek him. But here he's praying. And notice what he says. He, he takes with him Peter, James, and John. Those are Peter and then the two boys and the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. He took with him to the Mount of Transfiguration, Mount Tabor. We saw that mountain not far from Nazareth. He took with him to the raising of Jairus' daughter in Capernaum. And he took with him Peter, James, and John when he needed them the most. But here, the Savior is there, and he's seeking God in prayer. And notice what he prays. Well, first of all, he says to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. I told you two important words, with me. Peter, James, and John did not have to guess as to whether or not Jesus was troubled. It was obvious in his countenance, in his presence, the way he carried himself. He's deeply disturbed as he is now considering his hour has now come and all that was going to take place in the coming moments, the greatest of which was when the father turned his back against his son because the sins of the world were drilled right upon his sinless son. And Jesus prays to the Father. Father, if there's, if, there, if there's any other way, let's find it. Please, let's find it. When tempted, we need to seek God in prayer. And I want to encourage you with this, please. I really want to encourage you to pray your heart, to pray what you desire. You say, well, I, I would never ask God that. I don't want him to know that. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let God know something either. You know what I mean? As if God didn't already know it. Now, I'm thoroughly convinced that Jesus knew that there was no other way. But the human capacity, Jesus being 100% human and 100% divine, the only being that was ever that dwelt both the fullness of God, the Godhead and the fullness of humanity together in one being, his human capacity was overwhelmed and he's praying, Father, if there's any other way, please remove this cup. So I find some encouragement. I find some encouragement when you're tempting God, I'm asking for you now to remove this. I pray that you'll just take it away. I distinctly remember, and pardon me for being so personal, but when we lost Christina, our granddaughter, to, de to death and cancer, I distinctly remember praying, and, and uh, no one was else that was in her room, and so I put my right hand on her forehead. She was out of it, dying, and I put my left hand extended as far as I could, seeking to make a connection, and I begged God in tears. God, I'm, I'm begging you. I'm, I'm pleading with you. I'm running out of words as I, as I fall upon your mercy to heal my granddaughter. I don't want to lose her. I don't want her to die. And the hardest thing in the world was to be able to say, but, but God, more than anything else, more than anything else, get this, more than her very life, I want your your will to be done. There are those who would have called and said, well, if you'll just let us come over and pray for her, she won't die. It's not God's will that she dies. Of course, we had to 
hang the phone up because that's not what we believe. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that if there, and I'm thoroughly convinced that God has a bigger plan. You see, in this fallen world, he has a faultless plan. In this fallen world, things are going to happen that I don't like. In this fallen world, something happened to the Savior of the world that he, Jesus, didn't like. But he knew that the Father had a faultless plan. He knew that. And that's why he was able to pray those three times. This is what I'm asking, O oh God, and I pray earnestly. That's what he prayed at the first press. When he was tempted, he sought God in prayer. Secondly, when you're tempted, when you're tempted, seek God with prayer partners. Seek God with prayer partners. First of all, when you're tempted, seek God in prayer. And then to up it a notch, seek God with prayer partners. Where do I find that? Well, he had Peter, James, and John. And I told you two words that he used. Would you watch with, with me, with me, with me, with me, with me? Now, is there something here that Jesus, as God, could not have done? No, he's God. He could do anything he wants to do. I'm not even going there. I hope that all Chapel Bible Church family, under the good teaching of your pastor, knows that to be an absolute truth. But his human capacity said, you know, I could use some help right now. I could use someone just saying, Lord, Lord, we're here. We got your back. We're praying. We don't understand it. We can't comprehend it. We have not a clue as to what you're experiencing right now. But obviously, obviously, something's going on. We've never seen you like this before. And so we're going to join you in prayer. Oh, God. Oh, God, please minister, strengthen, empower the Messiah. He's our Messiah. So when you're tempted, seek God with prayer partners. Sam made mention this morning in Sunday school about an accountability. If you don't have any some friends, just go and ask. Be, be vulnerable. Hey, I need some godly friends. He's going to ask me some tough questions. Whenever I am really struggling that I can go to and know that they're going to be there to help my weak knees and feeble hands, to support me. When you're tempted, seek God with prayer partners. May I ask of you, please, to be sensitive to the needs of people. Can I ask you, please, to not be like Peter, James, and John, who, because of whatever reason, just simply their eyes were heavy, the Bible says, and they were sleeping, and they didn't comprehend. They couldn't, they couldn't register in their minds what was going on with our Savior, even though he was vulnerable enough with them to say, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to the point of death. Could, could you guys maybe just kind of watch with me and pray with me? I ask that you will not have to be told or ask, hey, could, could you pray with me? But that you will be sensitive enough to the needs of others to say, We'll pray together. And we will be bold in our prayer, but, but, when after we've prayed, the final conclusion is going to be this. You remember there was another garden? 
he, it, it held the first Adam. His name happened to be Adam. It was another garden, not the Garden of Gethsemane, but the oil press, but the Garden of Eden. There with his wife, Eve. He too was faced with a temptation. The first Adam failed miserably. He didn't seek God in his word, which his word, God's word, was to Adam was, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the fruit of the knowledge, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for the day in which you eat of them, dying you shall surely die. He didn't seek God in the word and repeat that, and he surely didn't seek God in prayer. The only thing that Adam did, the second Adam did, according to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7, was keep his big fat mouth shut. He didn't say a thing. He didn't open his mouth. He didn't have Eve's back. He let her go. What Adam said was, not what your will, but mine be done in this thing. Jesus says, not my, my will, but yours be done, O God. Which leads me to the third point. You see, whenever we're tempted, God wants us to seek him. Number one, God wants us to seek him in prayer. Number two, God wants us to seek him with prayer partners. And then number three, and this is the good one, God wants us to submit to his plan. When we're tempted, God wants us to submit to his plan. When we're tempted, God wants us to submit to his plan. Now, God's gave us a promise in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I gave that to you earlier. There is no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. But God, who is faithful, not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation provide a way of what? Provide, uh, the word is escape. Now, you folks wake up. You can all say it together on the count of three. Provide a way of one, two, three. Escape. You know what we do with the temptation? We're not looking for the escape. We're looking for the enjoyment of fulfilling the temptation. Don't show me escape, God. I'm not seeking you. I'm seeking my pleasure. Get away. Get behind me. Get, back, get away from me. Let me fulfill this. Let me fulfill God says, here's the escape. No, I don't want to see the escape. The escape is this. Here's the escape, brothers and sisters. You need to listen to this. Here's the escape. When tempted, seek and submit to God's plan. And God's plan is, here's the way. Walk in it. Here's the path. Do this. Do the right thing. And so he, Jesus, had Peter, James, and John, and they failed him. In fact, Jesus went to Peter, remember, and said, Look, Peter, I want you to watch and pray, because if you don't, you're going to enter into temptation. Jesus prayed three times. There was three oil presses that got the oil out. Each time it was harder and harder and harder. Remember? Luke records for us, Mark does it, Matthew does it, but Luke being the physician does record for us in this scene that this one of the prayers, he went back and he sweat as it were drops of what color is blood? What color was the paste of the olives? There's too much coincidences here in this place. And so Luke says he sweat as it were drops of blood. But each time he prayed, when he was tempted, he submitted himself to the Father's plan. And when he said, nevertheless, Lord, not what I will, but may your plan be fulfilled. 
because your plan really, really is best. That's what's needed. Not just for me, but, but for your glory and for the good of those to come. That's what I'm trusting you for. Now, what's really interesting for me to note is that in the first temptation when Satan tempted him, that after the temptation, angels came and ministered to him. The Bible says in Mark's account that the angels came and ministered to him during this temptation to strengthen him, to support him. Why? Because his three friends didn't. They were sleeping. They weren't sensitive to his needs. Well, I don't have to ask you if you are ever tempted. I don't have to ask you that question. Because if you told me no, you'd be lying and you know that. What I do want to ask you as we wrap this up is that when you are tempted, whom do you seek? Do you seek your own personal pleasure or do you seek God? Do you seek the one who says, you know, call unto me and I'll show you great and mighty things which you don't even realize. If you trust me, I'll get you through this. I promised you a way of escape. Seek me. Seek me. Seek me. Take my word. Meditate upon it. Allow it to cleanse your life. Go to me in prayer and ask of me. Go ahead. It's all right to ask of me to remove that. But I want you to know that the bottom line is, is to submit to my plan because my plan and the fulfillment of my plan is going to be ultimately what is best for you in conforming you to the very image of Jesus. I've got a bigger plan than you can ever see in your life. And so it's my prayer and my plea for you that when you are tempted, not if, but when, when you're tempted, that you will seek God. That when you're tempted, you'll seek God in prayer. That when you're tempted, you will seek God with prayer partners. Find some, and you folks be sensitive to those who do not have to say, my soul is very sorrowful. You can just sense it. And when you're tempted, thirdly, submit to God's plan. Would you bow with me, please, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed? I don't know what's going on in your life. I, I really don't. Uh, we're down in South Louisiana. Here you are up in North Louisiana. But we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're made. We're cut out of the same cloth. Uh, you're no different than I am, and I'm no different than you. I may not know what's going on in your life, but I do know, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are tempted. Oh, yes, you are. What I don't know is, what are you doing with it? Have you just thrown your hands up in despair and just saying, well, that's just the way it is? Well, it may be the way it is, but that's not the way it could be. That's what God said. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus, I want you to know that if there was another way, don't you think a good father who loves his son would have said, sure, son, let's go find a ram that, that is hidden in the bushes and maybe he can be the one that dies for the sins of the world. Would not he have spared his own son? But he didn't. Which says that there's no other way Jesus himself said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. If you've never placed your faith alone in Christ, alone for eternal life, do it today. Because, my friend, there is no 
other way. Stop trying your own puny efforts that result in insulting the gift that God has given to us in His Son, Jesus. He doesn't need your filthy rags. They don't accomplish anything. Don't try anything. Just fall upon His mercy and trust in His provision of His Son, Jesus, who alone took yours and my sin and paid that penalty. Would you trust Him today? And if you have, I want you to know that God is in the process of making you like his son. And many of those include trials. You're faced, you're faced with difficulties. Don't yield to it. Rather, seek the Lord. So, Father, as we wrap this up, we pray, knowing that unless Jesus comes back for us today or we go to meet you through death, will be faced again with temptation. But I'm asking, O oh God, that we will never face temptation the same again. So to that end, Father, be praised as we seek to walk in humble obedience to what we've learned today. O oh God, I pray that we may not lose what we've learned today, but simply let it last a lifetime to change us for your glory is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.